We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hi, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Robin Jones Gunn. We're going to hear about Colleen and Bert today. I can't wait. I've been looking forward to this. And by way of introduction, um, Bert was Jim Elliott, who died in 1956, brother. And we're going to hear more about that today. So um, they had, from their youth, felt this call to Peru. Um, They fell in love when they were, uh, uh, well, they declared their love to each other when Colleen was 18 and he was 22. Then they went to training, and then they finally got on the mission field in Peru. And now they're living in the jungle of Peru, and they've just bought a house. So um, one of the things that was really important to know was the culture that they lived around because they would hear um, these idolatrous drums and this screaming and these shrieks. Um, and they realized that the way the people practiced, and they all thought they were you know, Christians, they were Catholic, but the way they practiced the holidays, like they had one to John the Baptist where they carried like a, you know, the head through um, the city and they would dance like in drunken orgies. And it was very dangerous to be out when Mm. any of the Catholic holidays, especially Halloween, Mm -hmm. uh, was coming. One holiday, they would just do pranks on people all day long. And it was super dangerous. They just had to stay in. But Bert and Colleen had a burden for the little villages that were along the Amazon River. They built a church in a section of La Lagunas, known as the Old Village. They renovated it to serve as a church. And Bert, Bert worked with Neil um, Ware, and they bought a boat. And when they began to renovate it, they realized it was completely rotten, and they'd have to start from scratch. And so, remember, they don't have a manual on how to build a boat. They don't have YouTube to watch. <laughs> That's right. They are learning from the men around them Mm -hmm. and watching and teaching themselves. In 1953, they moved to Uramaguas, which was a 12-hour boat ride from Laguanas. They moved into the home of a couple who was on furlough, and they lived there for a year. The Elliots were threatened at this time by the Catholic Church, often as well as from the government. Local police told them that they had received orders to do what you can to eliminate the propagation of the Protestant religion. Mm. No religious meetings were allowed in private homes, and they were not allowed to hold public baptisms in the river. There were false and dangerous rumors that circulated about these missionaries, causing many threats and distrust. However, a police chief decided to check out for himself what was going on. He watched them closely, and he listened to all of their messages at the meetings. He then wrote a letter of recommendation for them, and the harassment ceased. Wow. And not the Lord. Yes, definitely. They took their first furlough in June of 1955. First, they traveled to all the churches they had started and ministered in up and down the rivers, and they encouraged them. Then they felt led to fly to Ecuador to meet with Jim and Betty Elliott, who had just had their daughter, Valerie. Um, the brothers were really close, and Colleen and Betty or Elizabeth Elliott were very close, and they wanted they had the same heart for the mission field. They spent three weeks with Jim and Betty. They also spent time with Ed and Mary Lou McCauley, Pete and Olive Fleming, and Rachel Saint. They knew all of these people previously. 
From there, they flew to Mexico City and then to Portland. They had planned to return to Peru at the beginning of 1956. But because uh, they heard of news of uh, from Jim, Elliot, Pete, Ed, Nate, and Roger that they had been lost, they stayed home with the family until they knew what had happened. They received a letter that Jim had written on December 22nd and the 1st of January. Jim described their plans to reach the Akas. He also told how dangerous the Aka um, tribesmen were. Mm. Then a phone call from Ecuador reached the Elliot home where Colleen and Bert were staying on January 9th, 1956, that the men were missing. At the same time, a letter arrived from Jim, another letter that he had written on December 28th, where he explained the whole plan of flying in, of leaving things, of camping on the shore. While waiting for news of his brother, Bert and his dad led a Bible study and prayer meeting at a friend's church. They were there when they received news that Jim's body had been found and speared to death. Fred and Bert began to openly weep together. That evening, the church, Grace and Truth, held a huge prayer meeting to Mm. pray for all the wives of those who had been slain. Bert wrestled with his brother's death, as you can well imagine, and God's providence. He remembered his brother's words, we have bargained for the cross and nothing less, to which Elizabeth had added, there are worse things than dying. Isn't that amazing? And to have heard the story of Jim and Elizabeth Elliot's many times from their encapsulated experience, but then to hear it from Bert and Colleen being, this is Bert's brother, Jim, and the same church and same friends, and they had just been there with them. Right. It gives a whole different sense of the connectedness and the seriousness, because when your college students go, you therefore into all the world. Yes, yeah. I'll go, I'll go, but... This is the reality. Mm -hmm. This is the reality. And already by this time, both Bert and Colleen had had um, death threats. So they know how real this danger is. Um, Bert described Jim as a meteor, just not here for long, but while he was here, just burning to the fullest degree and greatest light for the Lord. He also taught at his brother's funeral. He chose a passage from Second Samuel chapter 11, and that was about David's um, murder of Uriah. And Colleen thought, where is Bert going with yeah. this? But he likened his brother Jim to Uriah and Uriah's integrity oh. and his willingness to give his whole yeah. life for the God of Israel and the people of Israel. And he ended with this, may we not let self have its way. May we hear his voice to take up our cross today and follow him. Bert and Colleen found it hard after their 10-month furlough to leave family and return to Peru with such sad hearts. Oh, I can imagine. They drove with Bert's parents Mm. all the way to New Orleans, where they were to catch uh, the boat that would take them through the Panama Canal. They left on May 17, 1956. While on board, they received a letter that included slides of the AUKUS taken by Jim Elliott and the men before they were murdered. They stopped in Ecuador to visit Elizabeth or Betty, Mm -hmm. and they stayed with Elizabeth and Valerie for two weeks. Bert did odd jobs for Betty, fixing this and fixing that, and Colleen went on visitations with Elizabeth and Valerie. They flew from Ecuador to Lima, Arriving, they realized that they that um, they had that they had preceded the letter that they wrote stating when they would arrive <laughs> in in per, in Peru. 
So nobody was there to greet them or to take them to the mission station. However, there were some missionaries from Wycliffe that invited them to stay at their house until their travel arrangements could be made. There, by providence, was the life photographer Cornell Coppa, who had covered the martyrdom of Jim, Roger, Ed, Pete, and Nate. Bert and Colleen were able to get all the details of the story that made it around the world. Bert and Colleen, because of Jim's story, felt inspired to expand their territory. Like, we haven't done enough. Look at all they did. They wanted to reach the untouched communities of northern Peru. So they traveled to a place called Cajamarca in the Andes Mountains. What's interesting about Cajamarca is that Calvary Chapel has a Bible college in Cajamarca, which is where Bert and Colleen established the first church. Mm. Mm. They established a ministry there, and then they begin to spend half the year in Cajamarca and the other half in Yuri Maguas. They rebuilt the boat, and it was finally finished and crowned the Maranatha. The boat had a small oh, kitchen it. and beds. It was small, and the river could be treacherous due to all the sunken logs. Um, but this bed, uh, this boat helped them to travel up and down the river with the gospel. A trip that used to take six hours now could be done in two and a half. Lots of people in the villages would show up for their meetings, and the people would sing enthusiastically, but very few fully turned their lives to Jesus. Those that did often reneged when persecution or temptation arose. The boat is not only good for transportation, evangelism, but also for medical clinics that they set up in every Mm. village, uh, mainly pulling teeth. In 1959, Bert's parents, along with Elizabeth and Valerie, visited Elizabeth was able to share at all the churches because they had heard the testimony. Colleen wrote, Betty can be extremely quiet at times, but she can also be highly entertaining. And often she has us literally in stitches with her stories. Bert um, and I um, found conversations with her very stimulated. And it usually left us feeling we had better get busy and study a little more so we won't be such ignoramuses. <laughs> Betty is blessed with an unusual mind, and one can certainly see how God has prepared her for her task from way back. No one else would have been fit for it. You see that? She didn't feel in the shadow, but she was so proud of Betty and loved her so much. For the work in Cajamarca, they were able to buy a 1956 GMC Suburban. By this time, it's in the 60s. It was treacherous driving, and sometimes the road was completely washed out. Not only that, but it was a single-lane road with trucks coming downhill. Oh, boy. (laughs) And it circled around the razor edge of the mountains. Landslides were common, and the Lord protected them in amazing ways. At times, Colleen had to get out of the car and walk while Bert negotiated the narrow curves and precarious road. Bert sold Bibles at the marketplace at Cajamarca, and he used it as a time to proclaim the good news. Here, here, hear the good news. Here, read the book that has the story of life. Bert and Colleen were never able to have children, so Colleen poured her heart into the children in the towns where they ministered. All in all, they helped to establish over 150 churches all throughout Peru. They traveled mm -hmm, up and down the river on the Maranatha and later the Maranatha 2 when the Maranatha 1 wore out (laughs) for half the year. Then they would travel up and down the Andes ministering in villages with their base being in Cajamarca. They battled superstition, 
religious opposition, prejudice, communist guerrillas, and I mean, yeah. oh, yeah. big threats by the communist guerrillas, even having the whole village captured at one time or another. Mm. Rats. Every night they set rat traps, and every morning they had to empty those same traps. At one time, a divisive man uh, came into the church and became you know, part of the leadership, and then he began to spread evil rumors about the Elliots and wreak havoc among the churches that they had established. The upshot was that most of the believers remained with the Elliots after much prayer, and the man was able only to secure a few to his pernicious ways, but it grieved Bert and Colleen oh, to the depths. So I'm skipping a lot of uh, Colleen's correspondence because it was voluminous, but reaching their 70s, they were still in Peru. They realized that the river travel and the upkeep of the Maranatha II and the suburban all the way up to the Andes was a bit too much. They were able to turn the work over to others and entrust mm-hmm. those who had gotten saved um, to take over the churches in the different areas. And they settled in the town of Trujillo and began to minister there. Um, they they bought a house that was really run down, but Bert was still in his 70s, able to fix it up. During some of their furloughs, because they were able to take a few, um, they were able to visit Europe and Israel. They went to Europe, actually, with really? Elizabeth Elliot, who um, helped to pay their way. And they got to go with her where she spoke, and she would always invite them to speak, too. In every place they went, they shared the gospel. They had many adventures that are documented because of Colleen's um, correspondence, um, their descriptive letters um, to the people back home. She always typed her letters, and she didn't use margins in order to get the most information in on every Mm. letter. She typed on carbon paper so that um, there were six to seven copies of every letter she typed. The letters were usually two to three pages, and they always contained a handwritten message from Colleen to whoever the recipient was in, like, the Mm -hmm. corner. And these letters were read um, at the home churches to where the recipients went to church. She was known for her perceptive insights, her anticipation of each day, her genuine interest in every person she met, and her love and admiration for her husband, Bert. What a legacy, huh? Yes. They were able to attend a Louis Palau event in 2004, where... Over 3,000 people attended the event from all over Peru. There were 37,000 volunteers servicing the event, and they knew most of the volunteers. Wonderful. Colleen and Bert were on the stage, and Louis Palau honored them for their service. Bert whispered to Colleen, Look at this, Colleen. 54 years earlier when we had come, it had been illegal to preach in public, and there were only a few churches scattered all over Peru. They just looked out and said, look what God has done. While they were living in Trujillo, now remember they're in their 70s, their house was robbed while they were on the telephone in another room. And they didn't even know it until they were off the call. It was God saving them. They, they They had a computer and a few other things stolen, but they were so glad that they were so occupied with the telephone. They realized that the thieves had to come really close to them, but probably would have killed them. Yeah. Uh, They had been in the same room. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, While living there, 
um, Lars, who was um, married to Elizabeth Elliot, Elizabeth Elliot's third husband, would come, would bring Elizabeth down um, every year for three weeks. It was one of Elizabeth Elliot's favorite things, and she was beginning to have dementia, but she wanted to be with Colleen and Bert. Um, before, you know, while they were on the mission field also, they received news of a lot of deaths. Uh, Bob, Bert's oldest brother, died at only 42 years old. Mm. Um, his father died, then his mother died, and then he received, uh, Colleen received news of her mother's death. They were able to go back up to the United States and, um, her dad was suffering from cancer, and they were able to lead him to the Lord before he died. Really? Yeah, it was miraculous. Wow. But so what I'm talking about is there were, you know, there was lots of pain, not being able to comfort everybody and mm-hmm. to be so far away. And most of their furloughs revolved around funerals to visit, you yeah. know, the family and yeah. comfort them. But um, when Elizabeth and Lars would visit, Colleen would um, play hymns on the piano and Elizabeth would suddenly come alive and the two women would sing together and Elizabeth would remember every single word of every Mm. single hymn. In 2009, after 60 years of ministry in Peru, Bert was given an honorary doctorate from Western Seminary in Portland, Oregon. And he was told he had to go (laughs) up there. At the celebration in Oregon, Colleen played the piano, and together they sang side by side. It was a secular song, but they used to sing it all the time together, and it went like this. Oh, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along singing a song side by side. Don't know what's coming tomorrow. Maybe it's trouble. Maybe it's sorrow. But we'll travel the road, sharing our load side by side. Through all Kinds of weather. What if the sky should fall? Just as long as we're together, it doesn't matter at all. When we've, when they've had all their quarrels imparted, we'll be the same as we started, just traveling along, singing a song side by side. It was written by a man named Harry Woods, who was a famous musician in the States and didn't have any fingers on his left hand. That's just a little side note there. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> yes. In the fall of wow. 2011, Bert was diagnosed with bladder cancer, and he wanted to get treatment in Trujillo. You can understand yeah. how good that treatment was, right? Yeah. He steadily digressed. They had to move from their upstairs room to a downstairs room. Um, about this time, they had a, um, a lady named Conchi who was their cook and she and Colleen, she just adored Colleen, and they worked mm. together all the time. But they also had to get somebody, a nurse, to watch Bert full-time. He was 87 years old. During this time, people streamed in their house to pray for them. A doctor even flew down from uh, Portland to check on his condition. He and Colleen were able to celebrate their 63rd anniversary. It's pretty incredible. Isn't that incredible? I know. On February 17th, Bert went home to be with Jesus. Bert's first memorial was in Peru. They played some of his recorded messages. And the pastor shared that his first introduction to Bert was when someone said, I present to you a great servant of the Lord, Herberto Elliot, to which Bert responded, I am a servant who has a great Lord. 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> a second memorial was planned in Portland for March 31st. So Colleen had to fly to Portland in March. Um, she was also scheduled for cataract surgery. However, when she went for her checkup, they found her heart rate was too high and they discovered two blood clots on her lungs. Colleen commented to somebody, I don't really want to go to that memorial. They will say all sorts of things about us and it will make me feel uncomfortable. However, she dressed, came downstairs, was making her way out to the car when she realized that she had forgotten the bulletins for the funeral, the programs. Mm -hmm. And she sent somebody in to get them, to retrieve them from her room. All of a sudden, she grabbed the rail and began to steady herself. When her eyes rolled back, and she fell backwards. Mm -hmm. They called 911 and they were able to revive her for just a moment. But at the hospital, she was um, at the hospital. They found that um, one of the aneurysms had burst mm -hmm. and she had sustained um, incredible brain damage. Mm -hmm. And if she lived, she would be um, severely handicapped. Mm -hmm. But the Lord had different plans. Colleen died at the hospital early that Friday morning, just six weeks after Bert. The, the funeral was actually to be, the memorial was on that Saturday. She was making her way over to the church to set it up for Bert's oh, memorial. Oh, remarkable. The memorial that Saturday was for both Bert and Colleen. And they sang, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, mm -hmm. which had been chosen by Colleen and was sung by all. And if you remember, yes, it was the hymn that they had sung to each other at their wedding. Yes. Everybody that knew them, the book is called Amazing Love. And it not only speaks of their amazing love for the Lord and their amazing love for other people, those that they ministered and just everybody that they knew felt dearly loved and cherished by Colleen and Bert. But it also spoke of their dedication and love each other. Bert would always say, we're better together. We're better together. Side by side. Side by side. Exactly. Mm. You know, and you know, on those boat trips that they took and what an adventure, you know, battling those poison snakes, scorpions, um, you name it. It was all um, worth it for her to be able to serve with Bert and to serve the Lord together. That was Beautiful what she story. felt cut out for. And, you know, again, her sister, we all know about Elizabeth mm -hmm. Elliot. But I was like, what? Jim Elliott had a little uh, had an older brother named Bert. What? He was a missionary <laughs> in Peru. What? what? He was married. What? His wife went with him, Colleen. What? She was also from Grace and Truth Brethren Church. What? 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 And again, just her willingness to be in the shadow of her famous sister-in-law and just adore her and love her. And uh, they were the dearest of friends uh, kept up correspondence. Elizabeth was an incredible letter writer too. In fact, um, Colleen at one time had said to a guest, oh, I have to get back to my letter writing. I have 40 letters I owe to people. Oh, wow. So she kept, again, this voluminous yeah. correspondence going with uh, people um, in the States and then, you know, all over the world as uh, their travels increased. So just a, uh, just I'm so glad her. you found more about Colleen that you could put together the whole story for us because yes. this picture of the entire life is just remarkable and gorgeous. It's just it's just gorgeous to see their faithfulness, their love for each other, 
And just that one little point you had said where it, it, I picked up that um, Colleen did not compare herself with Elizabeth. Never. Lee, but rather they had this kindred spirit camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm happy for Colleen that she had that after growing up with her sisters that yes. she always felt she was in their shadow. Yes. But she had this, you know, like uh, she just loved Elizabeth and her brilliance just loved mm-hmm. it and you know just said hey she was she was an honor student in her high school so she was no dummy no and she learned Spanish really quickly mm-hmm. caught on and she was top of her class you know remember she's 18 and she's taking this class that uh, most of the students are 22 23 years old and she's the top of the class and she was <laughs> the vice president of um, her class at Biola so she's smart yeah. she's smart but Elizabeth she said was so brilliant that she was just in a league of her own and yet they totally appreciated it and just every time they could visit elizabeth or elizabeth visited them it was so exciting for her they just loved it and they were so accommodating and so hospitable to everyone and anyone who came to visit and i didn't have time to write about all their visitors and all their ministry Mm. um what went on in the villages but it can all be found in the book and it's all from Colleen's letters. That's how they were able to take the uh, information, was all from the letters that she wrote. Goldmine. You know, she didn't keep a journal, but she yeah, wrote so valuable. letters. And she was so descriptive and so insightful. When she writes about the festivals that the people celebrated, it it makes your um, hair stand on edge. Mm. It's just very scary. And yet they live through that and continue to love the people and minister to them. So just um, Colleen um, Norma Elliott is definitely a woman worth knowing. Indeed. Indeed. Thanks for joining us again. Until you hear us next week with another woman worth knowing, this is Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn saying thank you for joining us. And we hope that you love and appreciate these stories as much as we do. Yes. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.